Welcome everyone listening at home to another Inmoas sound post. I am Roberta Lasso Valenzuela and today we are talking with Carol Robinson. Uh, well, thank you for being uh, with me here and taking the time um, to talk about your piece. I would like to ask you if you can please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Um, for example, where are you from, your, some of your uh, interests also in the music and the composition, how did you get to compose and etc. So please. Okay. So my name is Carol Robinson. As you can tell from my accent, I'm American, American born, though I lived in England as a child and I've lived in France most of my life. I actually have double nationality. Uh, I started music by playing the clarinet and I continue playing the clarinet all over uh, now, tomorrow, whenever. Uh, I started writing music uh, because I was doing some music theater pieces. And originally I was using other people's music and making collages. And I found that it just wasn't working very well. I couldn't get the expression I wanted. So this is already quite some years ago. I started writing music like that. I was also working a lot with dance companies and they liked my music. So I would write for dance companies. And then people kept asking me to write music. So it was a very lucky sort of thing. I, I didn't actually study composition. I studied a lot of analysis. I loved all of that when I was in school. I did electronic music, which is composition. Um, but in a way, not having studied in a conventional way gives me freedom because I have to find a way to write what I want to write. And I don't have other people's judgment weighting me down or technique. And so maybe that's what people hear. They hear a, a personal voice in my music. Uh, some pieces are more simple. Some pieces are more complex. But I would say that I, I try to be expressive. I want the music to touch people. I want them to their sensitivity to be encouraged. I want them to open to hear the sounds I'm making and the vibrations that, that people are making with my music. So I think that's my motivation. Uh, I have a very eclectic output because like I say, it's often because of commissions. So odd things come along. Uh, though I, I do write my own pieces of my own desire. Um, The last piece I've just finished writing is a piece for harp and viola, which will be premiered in Linz in May. And then I have a your piece to, to finish for baritone and piano. And uh, then a piece for eight singers, guitar, harp, and mandolin, inspired by Jimi Hendrix. Yes. <laughs> Great. So that's all a bit different. Uh, And the piece you heard, do you want me to talk about that piece? Or do you have some questions before I just wander on and on? Um, maybe you can, of course, uh, talk about the, the piece itself. Um, I'm interested in, in knowing also how did you start with it? Uh, what was the impulse? Where did you get yes. the material and all of this? Um, did, did you have a chance to see the score or you just heard it? I listened to the piece with the score and without. I did both. Okay. So you know that it relates to trees, 
Well, it was an interesting you know, chain of events that led to that piece. Uh, many years ago, I heard a young man playing a strange instrument in the street in Frankfurt. And I asked him what it was. And it's called a birbina. It's a sort of clarinet that's in Lithuania. And it's only in Lithuania. And one thing led to the next. And I got an instrument and I started playing it. And it's an extraordinary, rich, expressive sound. And so I've been playing it for many years in rock bands and all kinds of, you know, all kinds of circumstances and trying to get people to write music for it. And I've had festivals commission pieces, but I've also been writing for it because I play it and I know how to do modern techniques on it. So forest gazing originally was written for that instrument and string quartet because I had a commission from Radio France for an odd, it's not, it's not an odd show, but an odd uh, framing of a composition, shall we say. Uh, it's for a, a show that plays for two minutes every day in the morning and late at night. And then on Sunday, they play the whole piece with an interview. So that's why you have these very short movements. And instead of writing one long piece, that would be cut up for each day's uh, radio show. I thought miniatures are lovely because you change the way that people perceive time and you just give them a world like they're looking into a, a sound micro microscope in, in a way. And you just focus on a certain tactile element. And then the two minutes go by very quickly. So that's how we, we got to that form. And because Lithuania is covered with forests, and so I was inspired by the forests. In fact, also, I spent a lot of time in the south of France in the summer in a place called Les Landes, which is covered by pine forests. And so the actual trees that I'm describing or was inspired by were French trees. Uh, so if you look at the titles of the piece, um, they really try to describe uh, what each little movement's about and the sensations of each movement. So that's the background. Then, because numerous people had said, this would sound really good with the clarinet. And I said, oh, I'm not sure. I think it's a Berbina piece. And they said, oh, I really think it'd sound good with the clarinet. So I wrote a version like for clarinet and changed the multiphonics, changed certain things, changed registers. And you're somebody sent me a link to your call for scores. And I said, well, this is a good chance to see if this piece works, if somebody would like to play it. And that's how we all met. And the piece was played in, in Vienna. Nice. So, yeah. Very nice. Uh, just for the people listening, um, uh, could you maybe say the names of each movement? Because they don't have the score and it would be interesting. Sure. Would you like me to give the descriptions as well? Yes, it would be perfect. Okay. Um, well, first of all, the piece is called Forest Gazing. And gazing means to look at something very intently and almost as if you're staring and you almost become lost in a sort of meditation or contemplation. And so each movement is from the contemplation of a various aspect of a forest. And so the first movement is called Soft of Ages. The subtitle is 
that particular softness left on the forest floor after untold time. Would you like me to talk about each movement or, or just say all of them and then talk about the movements? It's up to you. This is basically your space, so you can choose. Okay. The... Okay, well, I soft of ages. I don't know how many people who listen to your podcast know American uh, hymns, but there's a very famous one called Rock of Ages where you your faith is a rock and it takes you through the ages. But for me, it's a play on words soft of ages instead of something hard. If you take a, an original forest that's never been visited by men or affected by men, it has a huge carpet of leaves and and branches and moss and all sorts of things. And so that's soft of ages. So when you walk on that carpet, the forest carpet, there's slightly, you sink down. And so that's what the piece is about. The first one. Second one is, if you have any questions as I'm going, just, you know, to ask me. Yeah, I mean, I live in the woods as well now, literally. Ah, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. when I listen to your piece, I can, it kind of resonated a lot with my walks that I do very often in the woods. And I could immediately kind of think, yeah, of course, like uh, this particular noise, it's like this kind of crunchiness of the of the the crust of the tree, what I call it. <laughs> and, uh, and this is, of course, when the light comes through the trees, this is the, like, I could really relate to some images. Mm -hmm. And in this particular mm -hmm. first movement, you have a very simple gesture, which is this kind of decaying of this uh, cord, let's say, this small mm -hmm. bending. But mm -hmm. then in between you have this kind of crunch of the of the bowl, right, against the strings, like. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this um, this is basically I'm just asking this for my own amusement, <laughs> because for me it felt like a, like this softness that is like exactly how you de describe it, especially like I'm thinking also like in autumn uh, when it's kind of wet and this kind of layers of softness in, and then suddenly there's something that's like crunchy. <laughs> and I felt like this is absolutely like there's nothing to describe here. It's exactly that. I'm just wondering if that's the case or it's just my oh, imagination. No, no, it's, it's like I wasn't trying to make a sound picture but it was a sensation. And so it's exactly that because you have all this incredible softness and they're twigs and exactly. branches and you never know quite what's going to happen to get the string players to, you know, to keep the absolute calm with the, with the glissandi at the end of the chords and make those little quick crunches. Wasn't so easy, but you know, you do it. And then somebody who listened to it on the radio said, it was so beautiful, but what were all those noises? But the forest is not just one thing. Exactly. It, it has those, those crunches and surprises, and you can't see exactly what's under your feet. So you exactly. got exactly the, the, <laughs> Perfect. the piece. <laughs> Perfect. So, so the, shall I continue? Or yes. do you have another question? No, no, no. Okay. Let's continue. Okay. So the second movement is called Battle Scars. The subtitle is The Gouges Left Deep in Their Trunks speak of each tree's silent battles, but who hears their cries? And so we, we live with these incredible beings that we call trees, and they communicate to us, but they don't have a voice. You know, when I 
talked about the battle scars. Obviously, they're trees we cut down. But going back to the forest in the south of France, they used to make turpentine out of pine tree sap. So all the old pine trees have these terrible cuts in their in their bark where they've been bled, basically. Mm. And so now that people don't collect that, that sap anymore to make turpentine, they've taken out the spigots that were in the trees. And you see beautiful bark and then this terrible, like a tumor-ish scar on the tree. And I, you know, what is it, what is, how does a, a, a plant feel pain or a tree? We don't know, but it's sort of, I guess, thanking them for going through all of that for us. So it's, it's all noise and harsh and each, each uh, attack has different colors because of different uh, techniques, but it's supposed to be just raucous and painful. Uh, it's hard to get the string players to go as far as they need to, though I must say the your quartet, uh, they caught on to it right away. They were just great. I don't know what they've lived in their lives, but they were right into that painful noise. They were wonderful. So, <laughs> nice to hear. <laughs> uh, third movement is shadow dancing. And it's what you described, the light coming through. The subtitle is, In the web of light flickering through leafy trees, creatures of all sorts flit through the air. And I wanted to give the impression that you, a person were looking up, tipping their head back, and maybe turning. And so it, it, you have this whole scape of, of points of light dancing uh, and shadows with the leaves and, and birds and you know, all the sort of natural things you find in the forest. So that was that inspiration. And that's where there are all the multiphonics and the... And the really high harmonics in the strings just to get the sort of lightness with the, the shadows moving. But once again, I'm not trying to paint a picture. It's the inspiration. You know, I don't know if somebody listens to this without reading the titles, if they have any idea of a forest, that doesn't matter. That's what I, I was going to say. Like I listened to all the pieces first without nothing. Like I didn't look at the title. Mm -hmm. And then I listened to it with the score and I read everything. So I like to do this exercise a lot, mm -hmm. uh, generally. And when I listen to your piece in this first rough, pure perception moment, uh, I was transported immediately to these moments. But again, maybe it's a coincidence also because I live in the woods. So I had this direct, like I, I was yesterday there and, and I listened to your piece. And I was like, yeah, of course, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then there's like this kind of birds, uh, but not really. But this, this, all of these gestures, um, I like that they're also honest. Like you said, that you're not trying to like literally describe everything, but you're there. And this is um, very, I find magical that it works so easily. So um, honest, it's so honest. That's what I was thinking. Well, thank you. That's a very nice compliment. I appreciate that. Uh, the, the string quartet that did the original first version for the radio uh, is exceptional because they are all improvisers. And I had thought of writing two versions of the piece, uh, an improvised, one where the material was free and one where the material was really precise. 
And in the end, I didn't do that. But we did improvise because they could. And so the one with the birds and the, all the little light sounds is fantastic. You know, I, sometime on a, a program, I'd like to do the open free version and the tight, uh, really written two minute version. That would be great. Yeah, that's to come. Actually, I'm thinking because we we're going to be playing in Paris in uh, October, and I thought I'd write a second piece of inspired by ponds. Mm -hmm. But maybe that would be interesting to do the the open and the closed version of forest gazing. But it's, it's, I'm getting I'm benefiting from speaking to you, so that's <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll go on. The next movement, the fourth one, is called Ode, which is self-explanatory. And the subtitle is Intertwining Voices, Join in Veneration. So it's just saying thank you to the trees. And there, you mentioned melodies. That's obviously rather melodic, that one. But what I wanted to do is to have the melody, the clarinet or the verbena melody, inside sliding strings. So you're constantly awakening the resonance of the, the string when it, the, the intonation changes with the fixed, not fixed, but the, the fixed pitch melody line. And so you have this sort of auras that come out as the pitches get close and, and further away from each other. And you have multiple instruments sliding at the same time. Uh, and it's, it's, like you said, I, I, it's melodic, obviously. It's a, I think I used a Chinese mode. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it's modal. Uh, but I wanted it to be you know, surrounded by all the other instruments and just to float inside of their sliding sort of mass. So it, if you, you play it by itself, it sounds quite like a melody, but it loses that overly melodic uh, quality when it's uh, joined with the strings. At least that was my intention. Uh, then the next one, last one, from above, that also is pretty self-explanatory. Subtitle, even soaring high above the treetops, we sense the life teeming far below. And we all at some point have dreamt of that we fly. And that's that sensation that we're up above what birds see, we don't see, but we can all imagine it must be somewhere in our DNA, somewhere far, far away. Uh, and so that was just the idea of something simple, or just floating, gliding above the, the trees. And at the same time, having gone through all these other movements, it's not just high, it's floating above something that's really full of life and vibrant. So those were the inspirations. Thank you for, for also reading it in such a, I would say, poetic way. Um, I also like a lot um, this way that you dealt, like you just described it, especially in the fourth movement, that you have this kind of melodic element, and yet it is kind of surrounded by this aura of resonance and, and like, uh, like a block of energy surrounding this other melody that sometimes escapes and then mm -hmm. dives mm -hmm. back into 
this is something mm -hmm. that in a way I felt it was kind of present throughout. I mean, not all the movements, but mm -hmm. it appears more than once in the piece. And that now that you say that you're actually uh, originally a clarinetist, I mean, still, uh, it makes completely complete sense that like the the tools that you have to to approach a melody come from that I mm -hmm. think maybe comes from the fact that you actually play clarinet clarinet could be but I also think it's part of what I've grown to find important in playing it's how sounds interact um, you don't know probably much about me but I had the great luck of working with Jacinto Chelsea when I was quite young and he was an incredible influence because he's his music is all about energy basically uh it's it's virtuosic it's difficult but it's the state that sh the player is in and what they are sending out as much as just the sounds that they're making um and then more recently i was asked by Eliane Radig to work with her and you know Eliane Radig so we've done uh i did the first big acoustic piece, which was for two basset horns and cello called Najola. And we played that all over the world. Uh, we played the second movement for two basset horns in Vienna quite a long time ago. But anyway, that piece went all around. Then she started uh, a cycle called Ockham Ocean. And I've done, I have to keep counting them because I keep getting new ones added on, but I think I've done 17 of those. And now we co-sign pieces. You know, she's, she just turned 90. And she's doing okay for somebody who's 90, but 90 is what it is. Um, so some pieces she said, oh, well, that that's me, but that's also you. So we have to sign this one together. <laughs> and then uh, I would go to faraway places where she can't go, like Australia or just recently in uh, Holland. And so those are also co-signed pieces. So when I play Elian's music, in a different way from Chelsea, but in a similar way also. It's all about how you make the sound uh, vibrate from inside. So I'm, I've been doing that for so many years in my own playing that I try to find a way to get that on the papers for other people to do it. And if that's coming across, that's really very um, reassuring. Very. Yes, absolutely. And I'm so happy also to hear all of these kind of insights and anecdotes uh, from mm. the background. It's for me, it's like the most enriching when I hear <clears throat> from where this kind of very subtle feeling or like, like you said, energy comes from, because I, I think mm. if different composers have different energies, the same way mm. people have different energies. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. And I just love to know also these kind of uh, back stories, like the things you don't see in the score or you don't hear immediately. Um, maybe connected to that, um, I would be curious to ask what other um, maybe composers have been for you interest, also influential or like somehow have um, made or driven your interest into sound the way you're describing it now, for example, that it's much more this kind of vibrating energy and it's more abstract. Yeah, those two are, are really top of the list and from, from my experience and in terms of what they're actually doing. And 
the result of the the practice of, of playing the music. There was a point where as a young person, you want to play everything and you just take any score and you work on it and you play it. And then little by little, I, on one hand, I didn't have time to just do everything. And I just, there were music that musics that didn't interest me anymore because I didn't feel they were connecting. They weren't dealing with these other vibrations now. And that sounds very arrogant and I won't name names. It makes no difference, but I started playing less and less other people's music. Uh, I play pieces by Jörg Frey. I think he's, he's touching on that, uh, a Swiss composer. Um, a wonderful French guy, French Lebanese man, I commissioned pieces from is uh, Zad Multaka. I don't know if he's played much in Austria. Uh, <clears throat> no, as a younger person, like Barrio, Stockhausen, uh, Varese, obviously, Zanakis, you know, the, you know, the big heavy people, but then you reach Crum and uh, other things, Jonathan Harvey, uh, you think, ah, there are these other possibilities of sound and it, it's all, everything nourishes something else. So I, I don't like to say this person or that person, but obviously Chelsea's like really important. Elian came after, she's very important, but it's more of a collaboration in, in a different way. Because with Chelsea, I was quite young and he was not young at all. Um, and the pieces were all written down. With Elian, you really have to go through a whole process together. And she's very uh, encouraging and generous. And she always says, well, it's the musicians who are doing it. They're, they're finding it. She's, she's not uh, no, egotistical and uh, uh, greedy in her way of playing, which is, I think, why so many people like her and why mm. the music is as it is. And to go into that place, um, I think, brings out the best in people. I think the people who play that music are basically nice people. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but I mean, if I have all this long history with Elian and, and Jacinto Chelsea, it's because they heard something in my music that was already there. You know, they chose me and then we carried on together. Uh, Chelsea, I met because somebody sent him a recording and he invited me to Rome. So, you know, Whoa. so it's all very lucky and I feel very privileged. And so it's also a responsibility not only in my playing but in my writing to stay on course you know stay in have the right can keep with the right priorities and maybe once again my odd path and my odd background has allowed me to have the freedom to do that so i mean you're a composer you're studying you're going through whatever you go through uh, and trying to find or finding or i mean trying to find your voices maybe you've already found your voice but doing what you need to do to write the music you want to write. So everybody goes through whatever process they go through, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I it's so nice to hear you say all of this because I, I we've been talking uh, with other composers a lot and about this process of composition and, and all of this kind of need also of composing and 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 mm -hmm. I am really curious always about when I talk to, to, to my colleagues 
to to know uh, from where this how this need is manifested in the different per- people. Mm-hmm. Why why do you do this? Thank you. <laughs> exactly because it's a it's kind of uh, crazy to do to decide to be a composer and to kind of find a way to earn our lives like that. It doesn't make it's like everything plays against that and still there are every generation composers that are like no i need to do this this is like i want to do this so this is very interesting when when also when when you're talking about not only your experience as a performer but um as a composer and 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 this search for like you said like some composers you don't play anymore because basically you don't resonate with that anymore uh or not as much (laughs) yeah yeah, and and this makes complete sense and and it's very nice also to hear that in your music there is a search for a certain atmosphere Mm -hmm. that it's completely now consequent with what you're saying and it's so just i I really like the thread (laughs) of like consequence in these two things um maybe i have a question regarding um uh this piece it's basically inspired or let's say focused in this uh, connection with nature mm-hmm. um, and you said you had another piece that it's about that you're writing now about pond like a well I I going back to Lithuania they have these great expanses of forest and there's there are ponds everywhere so there's a lot of water and sometimes they're perfectly round in the middle of the trees and and so I thought that could be very beautiful as a, a second piece for quintet, because this one is so short, uh, something extremely calm with a you know, sort of shifting surface and extended chords. Um, so I've been thinking about that for a while. Uh, the piece for Linz, the theme of the festival are is rivers. So they commissioned me to write a piece inspired by a river. So, well, I did that, but... Um, <laughs> If you happen to want to come to Linz on the 6th of May, you can hear this piece for harp and viola. But it's about, it's called Under the Bridge, Our Rapids That Bend. And it's, we always talk about water under the bridge. You know, something has happened, it's been significant, but it's just water under the bridge and the water just mm-hmm. keeps going. So it's like a fantastical view of what happens under the bridge when the water, we can't <laughs> nice. see it. Nice. <laughs> so. So it's like very watery with the harp and, you know, all this pretty stuff. And then the wild part and then the harp comes back to its pastoral side. Have you been to Linz? No, have you? I studied there two years. I lived oh. there. So oh, it's how's funny. It, what's it like? Is this an appropriate piece for Linz? Absolutely. I was going to say because, um, like, I would say the center, it's right, there's a river crossing the Donau, uh-huh. the Danube, sorry. And then there's this kind of the bridge, which is like the main bridge, basically, that you have to cross. And and it's uh, so funny that you're talking like the title of the piece and the content, it seems very adequate to the place. Well, I've, and, I've never been there at all. So. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's, it's kind of adequate, I would say. <laughs> but yeah. is this like nature? Um, because I'm hearing also it's not just like nature, like random. It's like a specific things of nature that you're taking that in my, 
again, returning to the same idea that you said at the beginning, this kind of uh, energy, but I, maybe I will use the word atmosphere now. Mm -hmm. um, it's this kind of um, atmosphere, different atmospheres or maybe scenes of nature. Are, is this a common topic for you in your pieces? Um, I have a cycle of pieces called the weather pieces. And they're inspired by meteorological phenomena, but they're like a psychological piece. It's like what a person feels. One is for double bass. And they're, rather than using live electronics, I use this sort of personal system with random fixed elements. So I make a, like a sound portrait from the performer who's playing and they have a, a fixed part that can be adapted. And then Max sends out mixtures of different choices. So the piece has the same integrity. They're absolute marking places, but the actual content that's going to be coming at the performer stays fresh. It's not a fixed, mm -hmm. fixed uh, medium piece. Um, so in each time I've done those, Uh, I've explored different kinds of sounds and interaction with the own person's sound. And they all have texts, these pieces. So the double bass piece is about tornadoes and tornadoes growing. And the person says, uh, you know, the green clouds, they're the most dangerous. It's like she's watching a tornado form. And then she starts saying the a twister a twister, which is the name Americans call tornadoes. Uh, one's about a hurricane. That's about uh, with a, an electric guitar. And it's a reversed hurricane. It's like it starts really loud and then goes just totally quiet. And then it gets really loud and violent again over half an hour. Now in a real hurricane, the loudest, it's totally quiet and it's the wall of the eye that's, that's, uh, the most violent. So it's like I say, it's an imaginary hurricane. Uh, but the whole idea that person is out of their, their body and they're, it's like they're seeing all these weird things because they're going through a hurricane. Anyway, so they're, they're kind of odd pieces, but people like them. There's a CD that's been in production for two years on Mode Records, which is releasing three of these. Uh, there's one for flute, one for percussion, Uh, that one's called Peter Patter. It's about rain. But the water, I, I feel like water, I mean, it's not just nature, but these kind of, of elements, like con concrete elements, like the river. Mm. Oh, okay, that was a commission. But but let's say like the pond, and then there's this this moments in the forest, which is not just like a random moment. It's like very specific Things they they keep coming up and um, so that's why I, I wanted to <laughs> kind yeah, of I was saying, uh, how we sense yeah. nature or weather or the things around us. I guess I like nature, so I write more <laughs> about nature than cities. But uh, not everything. I, mean, I I would say they have a sort of a psychological bend. I wrote a piece recently for guitar and three singers. And that's also part of this project that's inspired by Woodstock. So it was like a classical guitar, you know, like wanting to be something else. And the singers uh, being his subconscious. I don't know. It seemed obvious to me when I wrote it. So that's what I did. But that's not related to nature. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's also very interesting to hear this other aspect of, and there's like um, elements of popular music, like rock and all of this. In the, I'm just asking because of curiosity now in this other. Well, piece. I mean, I, I wouldn't say there are elements of popular music, but if you have an electric guitar that tends to make us think of things uh absolutely yeah uh but with the i mean i can i would love for the cd to be out so you could just listen to it <laughs> i i can give you a link and you can hear a little bit little snippets of these pieces if you're interested absolutely i mean i would i think i will keep an eye also on what you do in general now from because from this <laughs> conversation i can yeah i am very curious about the other pieces you've done um maybe as a Closing question. I am mm -hmm. usually asking um, the composers something that most of them struggle to answer. I struggle myself to answer, and I don't know even why I ask it, but I keep asking it, which is <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just curious, I guess. Uh, it's um, you've already had basically, uh, you've seen a development probably in your own music through years. Um, as we change, our music changes, the, the, the thoughts also are, or the interests are changing, or going to one, to, to one direction from the other. Uh, how do you see maybe your music evolving from now? Where do you see it going? Hmm. Interesting. Um, well, I hope it gets better. I hope it, <laughs> that I, you know, that it gets stronger that it's always um get, get, reaches people uh like that's that's i guess it, my mission if you will you know obviously you want your piece played but to have the piece played is not the point the point is to have the music make a difference to people when they hear it to open them up so i i just i hope that it just i i do that more and i do it better that's i guess is the only way i could answer Like uh, connecting, you mean also? Yeah, or... connecting. Yeah, so, and, and you know, having better technique. I mean, it's just so that you can express what you're trying to communicate it to other people, and then it it sounds. So I think oh, every composer wants the same thing. I would imagine. How do you answer that question? For me, uh, I mean, it, it's. Uh, It changes a lot, and I, I think I'm, um, I've learned so far in my life that, I mean, I'm young, I know, <laughs> but I look younger though. I'm not as young as people think. <laughs> no, but, but in general, I think um, for me it's been very important to, to kind of make pieces with the fact that um, that we are as humans quite. We have a lot of flaws and weaknesses and all of this. So mm -hmm. I discovered that uh, at least in, in the music that I like a lot and the music that in general I try to make, um, honesty is very important. Mm -hmm. So when I say to you also that I felt your music was honest, it, was f um, it came from this that I related in a way uh, with what I'm interested in uh, when mm -hmm. I listen to music and when I do music. It's comes from from this uh, interest on finding uh, honest music so the fact if it's tonal atonal serial music whatever electronic music it doesn't really matter for me but you have to uh, like find this kind of 
I think similar what you said, this um, space where you connect to people in another level in something that sometimes it's m much more abstract than just and like, ah, I like it or it's fun, but just like reach a level of, of intimacy um, and feeling that comes only from this experience of listening to music. Yeah, and uh, the things that you, the words are too cumbersome to express. You just exactly. receive it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's similar for everyone, but still the, 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 the approach is a little bit different. And that's why I'm interested in asking that because some people said mm -hmm. like, I mean, I don't know. I don't, uh, I, I just don't see my music evolving at all. I just want to keep doing this, what I'm doing. This is also interesting in a way for mm -hmm. me because it just keeps showing that there is a variety of, of, of music and of people writing the music that it's in every time there. And mm -hmm. this is what I find the richness, you know, that have this variety. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, even though people are trained, they have, they are them. It's, and it should be uh, it's like something that's an extension of their own self, their psyche, their sensitivity. So that I think we're on the same wavelength. That's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's like this core that it's there and it just manifests itself naturally. And mm -hmm. some people fight against that. And you hear it in the music. I, I have this often when I hear people, some, some, especially very young people who want to like, you hear this kind of struggle of like, no, 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 that's, and you, it's, I don't know. I, <laughs> I resonate much more with this, what we're talking now. Um, sometimes uh, like uh, the search of a, of a vibration for as abstract as it sounds, it's much more powerful mm. and, and real in a way. And immediate. I mean, it is if you can if you can get those things. I mean, sometimes they they're kind and they come to visit you. And you can <laughs> yes. catch them. And, yes, uh -huh. I think that's a beautiful um, ending for uh, mm -hmm. the podcast. Um, if you want to add something else, um, I don't know, uh, a comment or anything, you can do it. Of course. No, I, I can thank you for having asked me to do the podcast because. I think it's an interesting exchange and it makes me think about things. And so I think it's beneficial for everybody involved. And I hope for whoever's listening likewise. And all I can say is I'm very glad that independent musicians like yourself, as you're called, um, decided to play that piece because I, it's very nice to meet you all. And uh, so thank you. No, thank you. I'm really happy also we got to have this talk and um, yeah, I, I feel a lot of people listening also will resonate with the music. Perfect. Thank you. So we're now going to listen to Forest Gazing 2, Five Miniatures for Clarinet and String Quartet by Carol Robinson. Thanks for listening.